You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. Good morning, Radiant Church. How are you doing today? Well, that sounds good. At least half of you are doing all right. Um, my name is Barry Summerfield, as Pastor said, and I am the newest elder here at Radiant. Actually, I prefer to say I am the youngest elder at Radiant as far as time served goes. I want to thank Pastor Marco for the opportunity to, to speak this morning. Um, when my family and I first came to Radiant uh, in 2020, soon after the COVID restrictions lifted, uh, Pastor Marco was right there greeting us. Uh, he is one of the main reasons that we came to, to Radiant Church. He's an amazing leader, a good friend, and I'm so, I think we're so blessed to have Pastor and Carrie as our senior leaders here. So um, for all those who are watching online, including Pastor Marco, welcome. We're glad to have you as a part of our, of our service today. Uh, since I'm the newest elder, Pastor has asked me to tell you a little bit about my family and, and about my life. Uh, before, I, before I get too deep into this, uh, I'd like to introduce my beautiful bride, Judy. She's sitting right over there in front. Raise your hand, Judy. We just recently celebrated our 53rd wedding anniversary. How she's put up for me, with me for all these years, I don't know. I thought I'd have been booted out a long time ago. She's a, she's a, a real partner in, in my life. I want to say hi to all the, the dads and the granddads out there, all the would-be dads. And, and I have to do a little correction to, to Kenzie. She talked about men are out there shooting skeet. No. We hunt, we kill, we bring it home. We throw it on the table, woman cook. <laughs> that just alienated all the women in the place. So um, I want to tell you that as the newest elder, married 53 years, some of you are thinking that I'm older. But here's the thing. I may be the youngest elder but I'm also the eldest elder out of the whole group. So that, that's a, a distinction I wear with a, with a great honor. Father's Day, uh, Father's Day is a special time. You know, um, fathers like to tell stories. I don't know if, if your dad was like that, but my dad would tell me stories about when he was young. My dad happened to be born in 1918. Uh, he grew up during the Depression, and then he was in World War II, so he, uh, he had a lot of stories to, to tell. And we would listen to these stories for a while, because there was only my brother and I. We realized my father's old. What does he know about life? I remember one time sitting on the couch when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan. Now I'm really dating myself. And we watched it together, my mother and I, and, she, and they got done, and she said, what a terrible group. Who would ever like them? And I'm sitting there going, this is the best thing I've ever heard in my whole life. But I want to tell you, 
old people tell stories. The, the thing is, we tell stories because we've experienced a lot of things. Now, Jesus told stories. He was a great storyteller. His stories are called parables. The problem with us older people is we'll know why we're telling the story at the beginning, but when we get to the end of the story, we can't remember why we told it <laughs> to begin with. So, but I'm going to tell you some, some stories today so you, so you get to know me. Uh, Father's Day takes me back to my mom and dad. Uh, they were great parents, amazing parents. They uh, taught my brother and I um, and made our life as, as kids just really so simple. One of my favorite stories is uh, my father uh, actually owned a gas station on the south end of Bay City on Broadway. I was talking to, to uh, Rick and during the break and he said, I lived around there, around the coke plant. I said, hey, that's great. Well, my father worked a lot, but every once in a while, he'd come home early and greet my mom, sit down on the couch, and my brothers and I saw it as an opportunity. So we'd jump up on the couch next to my dad, and he'd say, how'd your day go? Now, I don't want to say that my brother and I were prevaricators, but we really knew how to stretch the truth. So he'd say, how'd your day go? And I'd say, Dad, I'm getting a straight A in math. No. No. My brother would say, my teacher told me I'm the best student in the whole school. No. No. I'd say, I hit a home run with my friends after school and baseball today. I hit a home run. My brother would say, I hit 10 home runs. And while we were busy stretching the truth, my dad would reach out his hand on the, and he'd start feeling the top of our heads. And he'd run his hand over our head and I'd say, Dad, what are you doing? He'd say, I'm just feeling for the horns. <laughs> Took me a while to figure out what he meant because he had already talked to my mom. He knew all the truth about our day. My dad passed away when I was 18. He was just 50 years old. And I didn't really understand how much I needed my dad. I mean, I, I, he taught me so much. He taught me that the first thing that you do in your life is you put Jesus first. And then he, then he taught me after that, we, we didn't have a lot of money. So he taught me that poor has nothing to do with your wallet. That poor is an attitude in your heart and in your mind, and you don't need to think poor. He also taught me that a life without joy isn't any real life. We have joy in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know the Holy Spirit is always with us, and so that we can turn to, to God and look to him and just say, God, here's my problems and he fills us with joy and peace and, and love. There's no better thing than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, after my dad passed away, I didn't realize how much I needed an experienced guiding hand. So I came to find out that it's really easy to mess up your life. It's easy to mess up relationships. It's real easy to cause needless conflicts in your marriage. 
Sometimes, you know, you argue with your wife and then you realize later on, what was that all about? It's so easy to mess up your kids. Just work a lot. Don't be there when they need you. Don't be there to listen to what happened during the day. Don't be there to tuck them in at night, to tell them that you love them. And it's so easy to mess up a career. One or two wrong decisions, there goes that career. And it's so easy to mess up your health. When I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, my motto was, you can't hurt steel. And so I would abuse my body, do all kinds of things. And I want to tell you, when you do that, it comes back to haunt you when you're in your 60s and beyond. It's so easy to mess up your life that after a while you start to think that mess up is the definition of you. But God doesn't see it that way. Because it's every father's desire to see his children have a better life than he has. It's every father's desire that your children get a, more of an education than you have. It's every father's desire that your children don't make the same mistakes that you have. And come to think that their life is nothing but a mess. So if you have your Bible with you here this morning, I would invite you to open it to Mark chapter 2. Now because I'm, an, I'm older, I really like paper Bibles. In fact, I have a bunch of paper Bibles at home because I'm always writing my notes all over the Bible. The, the God's Word is holy, but that's a book. And you can write in that book. And I encourage you to keep notes in your book. Write down things that are important to you, where they were important to you, when they were important to you. Because you can go back and say, oh yeah, I remember what I was going through and God saw me through it. God is always faithful. So in Mark chapter 2, we're going to begin with verse 13. We read, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get into our message for today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Father's Day. We thank you for the opportunity as fathers to be servants of our family, to be servants of our wife, to be servants of our children, because there is no greater reward in this life than being able to bless your family. Father God, you take care of all your family here. And we ask that for those who are far away from you, that you would bring them near. And for those who are near, that you'd bring them even closer to you. So that when the evil one attacks, 
all of his, his attacks would be turned away and your family would remain whole. We pray your Holy Spirit would be with us this morning, that the words I speak wouldn't be my words, but your words, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Because Jesus taught differently, because he taught in a way that was different from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the other religious leaders, because he didn't just go out and, like they did and quote some rabbi who was quoting some rabbi who was quoting some rabbi. Jesus taught with authority, and as a result, people followed him. Lots of people followed him. And those people were amazed when they saw Jesus call Matthew, this tax collector, to be one of his disciples. Matthew was so honored to be one of Jesus' disciples that he threw a party. And he invited other people. He invited his friends who happened to be tax collectors and people that the religious leaders labeled as sinners. Now the problem with labels is they stick. They happen to stick when somebody gets labeled. Here's what the religious leaders of Jesus' day taught about tax collectors. They taught tax collectors were utter disgraces to their families. In other words, their families should be ashamed they had a tax collector in their family. Tax collectors were not qualified to serve as witnesses in court. You couldn't trust them, so they couldn't be a witness in, in court. They're not honest. And then again, tax collectors were to be regularly excommunicated from the synagogue. One comes in, you throw him out. And finally, the Pharisees considered it legal to avoid paying taxes to tax collectors. Because Jesus associated with tax collectors and sinners, the religious leaders never understood him. They, they thought, if he's a real rabbi, a true teacher, he'd be more like us. The house where I live is down the street from a McDonald's, three short blocks away. And I want to tell you, it's amazing. People can get their order at McDonald's, pull out onto the street, eat a Big Mac, a large order of fries, and gulp down a large Coke, roll down their window, and throw the trash in my yard. And I want to tell you this, too. I'm not always forgiving when I'm out there picking up that trash. But here's something else to consider. Have you ever thought of people as trash? You know, we hear it all the time. We hear people say things like, he or she is no good. They come from the wrong side of the tracks. Their father was no good. Their mother's no good. I want my family to stay away from these people because they're throwaway people. Do you ever consider throwing somebody away? That sounds so harsh. Here's what Jesus said about that. They, the Pharisees, asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? What they really meant was, why does your, tax, why does your teacher eat with this trash? Here's how the dictionary defines anything that deserves to be thrown away. 
They define, defines it as worthless, meaningless, or contemptible trash. Now, my father-in-law's name was Frank. I have to tell you, Frank and I did not always get along. He had a different way of looking at life. Frank was a man who spent much of his time taking one man's trash and turning it into another man's treasure. He could take something that someone was going to throw away and turn it into something valuable. Well, part of the reason I didn't get along with Frank was because he would call me up on the phone. I'd, my mother would answer the phone. This is when I, I lived with my mom. I lived with my mom until I was 21, the day I got married. <gasps> what a terrible thing. <laughs> well, in those days, in the old days, the phones were actually on the wall, and they had a cord on them. And the phone would ring, my mother would answer it, and she'd say, hey, it's for you, Barry. I'd say, hello, and I'd hear on the other end, I want you to get over here tomorrow. You know the time. Click. <laughs> and my mother would say, who was that? I'd, say, I'd tell her, it's Frank. What do you want? I'd say, I'm not going, I'm not going, I'm not going. I don't care what he says, I'm not going. But then I thought better of it because if I didn't go, there was no dates with Judy for a long time. So I'd show up. Now, Frank had Bay City all mapped out in his mind. He knew on what day the trash was going to be picked up in what neighborhood. So we'd get in the truck, and we'd drive down the streets looking, looking, looking until he found something he thought was valuable. He'd stop the truck and say, come, help me load this up. And I'd look at what he was talking about, and in my quiet, unassuming, shy way, I'd say to him, that junk, nobody's ever going to want that. Why do we even want to pick it up? Just leave it there. He'd say, no, we load it up. And then I'd think, no, no dates. So I'd help load it up. And then a couple of weeks later, he'd call me up and he'd say, remember that thing that you said was trash? I said, yeah, you threw it out, right? He said, no, I just sold it for $400. He had a way of looking at things and seeing something valuable in what other people thought was just something to be thrown out. I learned something from Frank. I learned that value is in the eye of the beholder. And I want to assure you of this. In God's eye, you have great value. When God looks at you, he says, I'm going to send my son to pay for the price of that person's sin because I want them in my family. What a great God and father that we have. But can you imagine how heartbreaking it was when, when Jesus heard the rabbis and the Sadducees and the other religious leaders talking about people like they were trashed? He knew he came to die for those people. He knew that they were valuable in the Father's eyes. That's why he said this. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Redeeming the unredeemable is the gospel. The gospel message is that no one's life is too, be, too messed up to be turned around by the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you that there's nothing that you have done, there's no sin that you committed that is so terrible that it, you, your life can't be redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. You know, if God can create things with a word, he can create light by saying, let there be light. He can bring light into your life with one word, and that word is Jesus. All my life, God has had a way of putting me in unique positions. I've been a teacher. I've been a pastor. And ever since I retired from the ministry, I've been rummaging around the house, fixing things. And we moved back here in 2020, and we, I fixed up the inside of the house, and then I'm looking around, there's nothing to do, and Judy said to me, get a job. <laughs> I don't want you around, you're going to get grouchy. I don't want to be around a grouch all the time. Get a job. So... I put my, put my name out there, and I got a job. Interestingly, I teach in a place that has GED completion programs. GED stands for General Equivalency Diploma. It's for people who have either left school, high school, before they graduated, or they were invited to leave. I also teach English as a Second Language. We use the acronym ESL. So in the mornings, I teach English as a second language to people who have come to the United States but don't know how to speak English, but they want to learn to speak English because they want to be able to work and to communicate with others here. So I teach them to speak not American. I teach them to speak American, American. I teach them that words have power. And if they can pick out the right words, they'll have no problem communicating with someone, even if it's not a complete sentence. I work with people who are college graduates. And I work with people who are in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And they walk into this school and it's the first time they've been to school in their entire life. They don't know how to read. They don't know how to write. They don't know how to speak English. All they know is they want to come to our country for freedoms. I, I work with some really interesting people. I mean, I, I work with people who uh, are so full of knowledge, but I also work with people who are full of themselves. I work with Muslims and Buddhists and, and Sikhs. I work with Hindus. I teach people who are so full of themselves, and I teach people who are full of knowledge. I work with people who are afraid, so afraid to go out of their house, it takes them three days to work up the courage to open the front door. I work with drug addicts, drug dealers, and prostitutes. And they all know one thing. People in our society look upon them as throwaway people. 
They're, they don't measure up. They're not good enough. They're failures. Who would want someone around like them? But the reason I work there is because I know in God's eyes, they all have value. Jesus said, Jesus said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. A few months ago, Pastor Marco talked about the war behind the war, the unseen war. It's a, it's a battle between two kingdoms for our eternal destinies. And in this battle, the, the kingdom of darkness wants to pull us in. But Jesus came so we don't fall for that. We don't get pulled into the kingdom of darkness. The goal of this kingdom is to make you and I believe that we're throwaway people. Because we've all had these thoughts, we've all heard these voices in our heads. You're not good enough. There you go, you messed up again. Who would ever want to be close to you? You're nothing but a reject of failure. Now maybe you've dived deep into the sins of the flesh. Maybe you've indulged in, your thing, in things that God says are wrong. Things like lust and pride and greed. Maybe you've been addicted to drugs or alcohol or both. Maybe you've overindulged in pornography. And we can torture ourselves over these things, replaying these the ways we've messed up over and over and over again. But Jesus is standing right next to you. He's waiting for you to turn to see him, to see his eyes of love, to feel his compassion, to know that he died on the cross for you, that no one's ever too bad to be redeemed. Listen to what author and, and pastor Timothy Keller said about sinfulness. The gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, but more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. Those are words to remember. We may be flawed, but God has welcomed us into his family. Jesus wants us to, wants to see our, us to see our lives from a different perspective. So here's what he wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Paul wrote, He's a trust, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. I've messed up my life a lot. I've messed up in so many different ways. And we can torture ourselves thinking, thinking about these things. Or we can turn to Jesus, because Jesus always has his arms open wide. Soon after Judy and I were married, a couple of years ago, um, we found out we weren't going to have any children. At first, it didn't bother us, because we were busy. We had careers. 
We were busy chasing after bigger houses and bigger trucks. Hey, bigger trucks. We were chasing after all the toys. But after a while, we started to realize we want children. So our answer to that was we became foster parents. Now at this time, I was teaching school in Midland, but I was also teaching alternative ed. And so we would take foster boys in. We would take teenage foster boys, five at a time. We would only take them if they're going to be there in our home for at least a year or longer. So people would say to me, I heard that you're a foster parent. Yeah. You take in teenage boys? Yeah. How many of them do you have? I said, five. They said, and you teach alternative ed? Yeah. Are you nuts? <laughs> they thought we were crazy, but we had a good time, didn't we, Judy? We, um, we, wanted, we wanted to instill one thing in these boys. We wanted to instill good parenting, and we wanted to instill Jesus into them. So we, foster parent, we were foster parents. We were foster parents for 10 years. And then the problem we realized is that when you have foster children, they always end up going back home to their biological parents, and that leaves a hole in your heart. So the next thing that God led us to was adoption. So we adopted a six-week-old, beautiful, perfect baby boy. He's watching online today from New York City. His name's Zach. Hi, Zach. And then we adopted a, a girl, my daughter Elise. She's sitting over there. And then we adopted another boy, my son Nick, who lives in Nevada. Now, the problem with Elise and Nick was they were considered unadoptable. Elise was in an orphanage in Korea, and Nick, as a little boy, four or five years old, had been passed from foster home to foster home to foster home because he called, caused trouble and nobody could control him. But we adopted them. Elise was said to be never talk and she would never walk. Well, she walks fine and she's got three kids today. And and you can't shut her up. <laughs> now, <clears throat> the story doesn't end there. Because one day I came home and I found Judy looking through these, through these books. This was before internet. Looking through these books. And I said, what are you reading? She said, I'm reading up on cancer. I said, why are you reading up on cancer? She said, I don't feel good. And so she kept researching, and I'd encourage her to go to the doctor, and she wouldn't go to the doctor, and finally I said, you're going to the doctor. And so she went to the doctor. And what did the doctor tell you, Judy? Pregnant. Pregnant. So that little boy is doing the screens today. His name's Aaron. Some of you know Aaron. He's back in the, in the tech booth. And then we adopted another little boy for good measure. His name's Luke. He's working right now in the, in the children's ministry. Well, soon after we adopted Elise, Judy and I were in the grocery store with the kids. And uh, we noticed this guy staring at us. 
And then he started following us around. And we were in the grocery store putting groceries in. I'd look over my shoulder, and there he was, staring at us, staring. Finally, when we were almost finished, he came up, and he pointed at Elise, and he said, She yours? We said, Yep, she's ours. He said, I bet you don't love her like you love the other ones. At first, we, didn't, we were speechless. We didn't know what to say. Not love her like we love the other ones? No, there's no differentiation in love. We loved all our kids the same because God loves all of us the same. So I, wanna, I want to explain this through this letter from this words from Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He showered us, showed us his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. I want you to know that just as we express ourselves in words, I love you, your heavenly father has expressed himself in Jesus. And Jesus, he's telling you through Jesus, I love you, I want you in my family, I want you to be mine forevermore. One final story. <clears throat> I had just finished officiating this funeral uh, at a funeral home in the, in the town where we lived. I chuckle now because I was so, I was a new pastor. <laughs> As a new pastor, you make a lot of mistakes. So I was standing out on the sidewalk thinking in my mind, oh, I messed this up, I messed that up, I should have said this, I should have said that. And I was waiting for the family to come out of the funeral home with their guests so we could travel to the cemetery for the committal service. I got to get this right. Then I noticed this guy coming down the sidewalk. And he was coming closer and closer, and I thought he'd go around me, but he came right up to me. And he said, you a pastor? I said, yep. He said, do you believe once saved is always saved? Now, I'd never heard that before, once saved is always saved. So I had to think about it. So I'm standing there thinking, if I say I believe once saved is always saved, does that mean then that I have to believe once lost is always lost? About that moment, the, the funeral director came up and told me that the family was getting ready to come out and we were going to go and travel to the cemetery. So I turned around and I talked to, talked to the guy again and he's running down the street. And I said, hey, come back. And he turned around and he yelled, there's no hope for me because I'm a backslider. Now a backslider is somebody who puts their faith in Jesus but then returns to sin. But here's the thing, we're all backsliders, because sin is a habit. It's a bad habit. It takes a long time to get all the sin out of your life. But God knows this. Jesus knows it. 
And he says, keep on trying. Don't give up. Don't get sucked into the kingdom of darkness. Because I love you. The Father loves you. And we're not going to let go of you as long as you don't let go of us. So we read this in the Bible. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled this to himself. For Christ, through Christ, he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. You remember some of these people from the Bible? How about Saul, the guy who held the robes at the stoning of Stephen? Saul became Paul through Jesus. How about Zacchaeus, the rich tax collector who had been cheating people? Or how about the Samaritan woman at the well who had five husbands and the guy she was living with wasn't her husband? How about the thief on the cross? All these people Jesus loved and he redeemed them. He turned their lives around. So on this Father's Day, I think it's our Heavenly Father's desire for each one of us to be in the redemption business. That we don't look at people and say, oh, they're no good, they don't measure up, they have too many faults. But instead, we look at them the way Jesus loved them. Because when he looked at people, he said, mine, forgiven, redeemed, precious in my sight. The value of something is in the eyes of the beholder. And when God our Father looks at you, he thinks, there is my precious child. And as we go through life, if we don't forget that, if we don't forget that we are precious to the Father, our messes will straighten out. We won't get pulled in to deeper sin. So if you've been trapped by the circumstances of your life and you don't know what to do next, I'm going to tell you, turn to Jesus. Get down before him in repentance and say, Lord, I need you. Would you come into my life? And he'll be there. And if you've been lacking lately in prayer and in Bible study, start again. It's through that Bible study that God assures you over and over and over again, you are my child, you belong to me. I will never let you go. Just don't get pulled into the kingdom of darkness. Instead, let Jesus pull you into the kingdom of, of light. Our God said, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'd like the prayer team to come up now. If anybody needs prayer, they're going to be glad to pray with you. Um, I'd like to do one other thing. In the, in the churches that I pastored on Mother's Day and Father's Day, today being Father's Day, we prayed over the fathers. And so I'd like to do it this way. I'd like all the dads, all the granddads, all the uh, going to be dads, anybody who wants to be a dad, I would like you to stand up. Just stand up right where you are right now. And for those who are around, around them, just put your hand on them. Just put your hand out, put your hand towards someone so we can bless them today. 
Father God, we thank you that you have chosen us before the creation of the world. You predestined us to be conformed to the image of your Son. Father God, you love all the men in this place today. You love them with an overwhelming love. You have chosen them. You have predestined them. I pray that you would bless them in so many ways and that you would bless them and that they would be good fathers, that they would have the heart of their, the, the hearts of their wife and their children always on their mind, that when they have to sacrifice for them, that's okay because Jesus sacrificed for us. He has made us his own. Pour out your blessings, pour out your love on each one of these men today and grant them your peace, your joy, and your overwhelming love. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Thanks, everybody. Have a great Father's Day.